When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Walk off error. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, July 6th, 2023. And I had a night. You know, I've been having trouble sleeping. I started on Instagram threads at David P. Sampson trying to figure that out. Yet another thing to obsess about and check. And how do I post? And Coca telling me to go to bed and take care of yourself and me say, no, no, we got to follow. People are coming. It's the battle of the crazies. We got to choose one. Nah, it'll be back on Twitter. No, this is real. So that's going on in my brain. I fall asleep. But only after I had the most unbelievable experience since 2017. In October of 2017, it was the end of an 18-year stretch of every day caring about a baseball team. Every day winning, losing, hurting, trying, urging people to see things the way I did, urging people to feel things the way I feel, explaining away mistakes, explaining away things that weren't mistakes. From 2000, October 17, for the next year. It only took a few months before I joined CBS, but for the next year, I spent time adjusting to life after baseball, feeling as though my, the definition of me had been taken away and I was lost trying to figure out why I didn't feel important, why I felt this anger, why I was rooting against the Marlins and against Jeter when all I had done was root for them with every cell in my body, distracted myself with athletic events, learning how to get into the media. Fast forward to nothing personal, starting in October of 19, still watching Marlins games, missing Marlins games, missing baseball, missing owners meetings, missing all-star games, missing World Series, playoffs, celebrations, all of winter meetings, GM meetings, all of the things in the calendar which ruled my life for 18 years. And I'm a clock person. I'm a time person. Nothing personal with David Sampson, live at 8 a.m. on YouTube. When the clock strikes 8 o'clock, we're never late. Coca has the same view of time as I do. Our respect for you and you being here outweighs respect for anything else. When it's eight o'clock, you know where to be because you know that we'll be here. And that's what baseball is. No matter what happens during the course of a day, it's 7.05, it's first pitch. You can have the worst day, the best day. It doesn't matter. You can be busy. You can be stuck in traffic. Doesn't matter. 7.05, first pitch. 
So going from love to hate, as you know, is a very thin line. And then trying to pretend that I'm rooting for the Marlins or not rooting for the Marlins, trying to figure out what's going on inside my heart and my head. It's been six years almost, and something happened last night. And as I was watching the Marlins play the Cardinals, and the reason I was watching the game, and I am a mile and a half from the stadium right now, still haven't been to a baseball game since the season finale in 2017. So I can't say that I'm completely cured of anything. Haven't been to any baseball game of any team, certainly not a Marlins game. The Marlins, since I left, have changed uniforms. The stadium has not changed, but there are things that are familiar, but clearly a lot of changes were made by Jeter before he got fired. The players, Miguel Rojas was the last player who I had, who's now on the Dodgers. One of their pitchers is still a guy we drafted, Braxton Garrett. There are still some people in the front office, in the clubhouse, very, very few, huge amounts of turnover. But still, I did not and was not able to separate myself and allow myself to watch a Marlins game the way, in theory, I had been able to watch games prior to being in baseball. Not allowed to be a fan. Wouldn't let myself. Last night, the Cardinals were in town. And the reason I wanted to watch Marlins Cardinals is it brought me back. I wanted to, I was alone in a hotel room and been down to Miami for a couple of weeks and not been feeling well. And I just wanted to revel in both nostalgia, maybe a dose of self-pity, my tummy hurt. Because the first game in Marlins Park was Marlins Cardinals. Rafael Fracal was the leadoff hitter. Josh Johnson, starting pitcher. The promise in 2012, it was the world was in front of us. More World Series, a 20-year run in Marlins Park, all-star games, all sorts of amazing things, sellouts, adoration, success. Started going downhill in the first inning. But that said, I wanted to watch the Marlins Cardinals. I've been paying attention because I pay attention to baseball for this show and for CBS and because it's what I do. The Cardinals have had a horrific year. They have a chance to finish with the record that they have not had. It's got to be decades. The Cardinal way is off the tracks. Their players are not playing up to the back of their baseball card. They have had every possible way to lose games. They are going in a direction where when you are the GM of that team or the president of baseball operations, you can no longer think that we have time to turn it around. This was before last night's game. No chance toilet pants. None. And I don't say that easily. Because before an all-star break, you don't want to go into the dog days of summer when you had a team that was supposed to compete, when you have a payroll that the Cardinals have, thinking that, wow, we better sell if we want to have the DeWitt save some money, the owner, owner of the team, or we better just realize that 2023 is NGTH and see what we can do for 24. Very, very hard to have that actually in your head and have what's in your head lead to action. 
The first step is having it in your head hard enough. Then when it's in your head, you have to listen to it and act on it. That's even harder. The Marlins, on the other hand, are a team that went into this season with the hope that they finally had the pitching and the hitting in the place it needed to be at the same time and that they would have a chance to compete for a playoff spot. And there were people, including me, that thought they would lose 90 games. They had the reigning Cy Young winner. They had a new hitter at the top of the lineup who the thought was had a chance to be good, but they lost Pablo Lopez. So was it going to be a push? Were the young players Sixto Sanchez going to pitch? No. Yuri Perez, yes. What would he be? We didn't know he'd be Jose Fernandez and Dontrell Willis part two. The offense isn't going to score enough. But through the course of this season, the Marlins have won games in very diverse ways. They have club teams to victory. They have pitched Games where they win 2-0 or 1-0 or 3-1. They can win 11-2, 15-4. They can lose 10 to nothing. But they'd won 50 games and they're leading the wild card. They can't catch the Braves because the Braves are having a historic season even for them. And you're talking about a team that won their division for like a decade in a row and just won the World Series in 2019. But I'm watching the game yesterday. And I was able to actually engage with the team, not as the former team president, for the first time. And this was important because I didn't think it would happen. I didn't think that I would be able to actually change. And as it was happening, I kept thinking about the concept that I had once learned in a class many years ago called cognitive dissonance. And I was wondering to myself while watching the game, is that what I'm having? And so I looked it up, the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. And I said, ding, ding, ding. This is what's happening right now. I'm living through it. I'm watching this game. And the Marlins blow the save. They were about to win. They blow the save. And I am feeling the hurt as the former president, the hurt as the fan, the, oh, it's bad. This is the Marlins. This is what I wanted them to be when I left. This is what would happen when I was there. And when it did, it would be DBR time. I would have to hold off the owner, hold off players, hold off the GM. Everybody is up in arms because when you lose like that, it's bad bad in the clubhouse. It's bad if you have to get on a team bus to go travel. It's just bad. But you know there's a game coming up. Then the Marlins come to the plate in the bottom of the ninth, and I'm having all these thoughts. I know you know me well after 851 of these episodes, plus another 100 other episodes. You know how my brain is, and I love you for knowing that. So my brain is going through all the different scenarios, all the different feelings. I'm keeping track of everything in my head. And then Jordan Hicks is going for the save, the closer for the Cardinals. The Marlins somehow, Joey Wendell puts the ball in play, and Jordan Hicks, the pitcher, on a simple throw to first base where you start in spring training saying, pick up the ball, set your feet, and throw to first. Don't lob it. Don't go underhand. Don't throw it high in the air. You stop. You step 
and you throw a BB. That's what we would tell the guys. Your goal as a pitcher throwing to first is to pretend the first baseman is your catcher and you want the first baseman's hand to sting. I mean, hurt. You want the first baseman to walk off the field into the dugout and say, dude, I don't have a catcher's glove. Yet so many pitchers are all up in their head. They're lobbing it over. They're running it over. They've got the yips. They can't throw it over. They can't throw it over. Jordan Hicks throws the ball into right field. Into right field. This was not from third base. This was a comebacker. Two-run score. Marlins walk off. Lights are flashing. Everyone's going crazy. The Marlins go to 21-5 and five in one-run games, which is insane. There are 22-10 and 10 teams since the start of June. They're leading the wild card race. And what was in my head right then and there, I was happy. I was excited. I was able to remember the good feelings when good things happen. But I was able to say, you know what? That was me then. Me now is I'm able to watch this game, watch that walk off, empathize with the Cardinals, absolutely understand what's going on in the Marlins clubhouse. But I was able to watch it as someone who appreciates a team that has it. And it is something you can't plan with your analytics department. You can't scout. You can't raise your payroll to get it. There is no buying it. It's the fourth rule for Morgan Freeman to Bruce Almighty. You can't force it. It just happens. And when it's happening, if you're smart, you realize it and you take advantage of it. It happened so often in 2003 that we would be stunned into silence after certain games that we'd win, including playoff games. It causes you to realize there's something going on here that we are just going to grab hold of and take the ride. It happens on the positive side, and it also happens on the negative side. There were two front offices watching that game yesterday and watching the walk-off error. And if they're smart, they will realize that they both have it. What it means and what they do with that knowledge, that separates the greats from the mediocres. So we'll see which is which as these months continue. But last night, I had a moment. Tell you who else had a moment last night. It's not that I'm the fun police. I'm not. It's not that I'm a traditionalist in sports. I'm not. Just because I can't buy People magazine because I don't know any of the people in the pictures anymore. Just because the movies that I like or the music I like seems to have an end date. Not true. I watch a movie still and I love movies now. But if my top five lists are older movies or classics, it is what it is. I'm comfortable with that. Believe me, as a young person listening to this, you will be the same way. I never thought I'd be this way. Everyone said you'll be this way. No, no, I'm different. I will be hip. I will be in the know. You're saying that too. Trust me. Your musical taste will stop in 2025 
and people born in 2035 will look at you like you're me. And you'll say, you're telling me you don't like little Dickie? I guess the only one I can think of, Coca. <laughs> I'm so bad. What would have been the best name I could say there? Like the number one most popular, probably the weekend, maybe the weekend. I could have done that. You don't like the weekend? How could you not? Is there the best? Is it a he or a she? Can't even remember. <laughs> so it's not that I want baseball to be no fun, traditionalists. I'm fine with throwing at hitters. I'm fine with celebrating. I'm fine with the home run dance, the home run chain. I'm fine with the bat flip. I don't love Trevor Bauer's sword thing because I don't love Trevor Bauer and you are who you are. But you want to go up and down the dugout in a grocery cart. My view is do your job, win the game. I'm not a huge fan. This is not being old or traditionalist. When you're down 10 to 1, I really don't want you celebrating a solo home run to be down 10 to 2 in the ninth inning. I like the idea of acting like you've been there before, but I also am good with jubilation. Ellie De La Cruz is a young player for the Cincinnati Reds who has it. He's got the talent. He's got the pizzazz. He's got the amazing ability. He's basically Jazz Chisholm of the Marlins, except right now better and on the field. The Cincinnati Reds are a team that may have it also. I can't promise you, but there's a chance as they lead the Central Division, as they won a game against the Nationals and the Marlins lost to the Cubs. Spoiler alert, nothing personal. Pick of the day was a winner. I'm not willing to say the Reds have it quite yet the way I believe the Marlins have it and the Cardinals have it, but I am saying that David Bell and the Reds are in a place where they did not expect to be having things happen that you may not expect when you call up a young player. You're hopeful that that young player will perform, but in no way are you sure. Last night, Ellie De La Cruz hit a bomb of a home run, 455 feet. But the story is that earlier in the game, the Nationals manager, Dave Martinez, went to the umpires and said, excuse me, can you check his bat, please? I immediately went to FUF. I don't mean to be disrespectful to Frank Robinson. I really don't. But FUF is just what we'd say. Because Frank Robinson spent his life trying to get us when we were with the Expos and the Marlins, have our mounds measured every day and complain about bats and, and substances and everything else. Never got caught doing anything. Everything was legit. We may have played a video to people of him asleep in the dugout while managing. Maybe. Maybe. Guilty as charged. But we were provoked. Managers do things. Coca, your manager did it. Or was it done to your manager? Was there not a playoff game where Buck Showalter went to a umpire and had something checked in the middle of the game? There is a 18% chance I have it wrong, but I have some recollection where it happened. What was last year, Coca? Oh, there it was. Oh, the greasy ear. God, do I love that you remember that. 
It was the greasy year against the Padres. And yes, the year was greasy, but whatever. Buck Showalter did it fine. I actually don't have a big problem with managers doing that. There are reasons where we will talk to our manager. Hey, we've noticed this. If you notice it during the game or we notice it during the game, we're going to get word to you. Bring it to the umpire. There have also been times we've gone to the umpires before the game and said, hey, make sure you're looking for this. Happens in basketball, happens in baseball, happens in football. Hey, look out for the hold. Very, very common. So, Ellie de la Cruz is hot. The Reds are hot. The Nationals are not. He goes out and says, could you look at his bat? He's got some sort of weird thing at the knob of the bat. They take away Ellie de la Cruz's bat. They confiscate it. He's not allowed to use it. They don't know what the ruling is. The umpires don't know. Very simple agreement with the umpires. When you don't know something, there are people available in New York during every game. There are shifts. If there's a noon game, there's someone there. If there's a 1 a.m. Eastern game because there's been a rain delay on a West Coast game, there's someone there. There's never a time, ever, that the New York office is not manned. I just realized, is that an expression we don't use anymore? Is is that is that one of them, Coca? Am I in trouble? When something's manned, do you now say personed? Maybe you say personed or, or peopled or, because it may be a woman, I don't know, whatever. The umpires have no answer. The league office takes Minutes, not seconds, minutes, multiple minutes, comes back to the umpires and says, we've got our answer. His bat's fine. Dilla Cruz gets to use his bat again in the next at bat and hits a 455 foot home run. Hell yeah. After hitting the home run, he points at the bat, looks into the Nationals dugout, flips it, runs around the bases, and I'm loving it, Big Mac. I am Mick loving it. The manager of the Nationals was not. And after the game, he said, I love the way he plays the game, but I didn't like his antics after he hit the home run. We can do without that. He's only got two weeks in the big leagues, but he's going to be a good player. <laughs> That's old school. When you're a rookie, you shut up and bring me gum. You sit exactly where I tell you to sit on the team bus, on the team plane, in the clubhouse. You leave the locker room when I tell you to leave the locker room. I'm showering now. You're not showering. Out of the way, I'm getting food after the game. There used to be a hierarchy in the big leagues. Rookies, no matter whether they were SBBs, signing bonus babies, doesn't matter. They were rookies. We used to do dress up. You still see that sometimes. Teams have their rookies dress up, but it was some of it may have been inappropriate. And now the teams may not do it or make sure the rookies are going out onto the streets of a city and going to get coffee. Some it's like hazing, except even hazing's become something that is dangerous or not pleasant or has been canceled. So there's been talk within baseball about what should be allowed or not be allowed to do to rookies. It's a whole bunch of, hey, let's be careful out there. Michael Conrad, but the people who've been in the game for decades and there's still a lot of them, they still view rookies no matter how good they are as rookies. And rookies are better to just play, be seen and not heard. 
baseball as an industry and as a sport has a terrible, terrible habit of getting in its own way. They try to do commercials saying, just let them play. Or remember the one, let the kids play, trying to make it so cool that all the young kids are doing cool stuff. And then the main guy in that commercial got banged for diarrhea and steroids or something. That whole advertising campaign was never approved by old school baseball guys. The guys who still have a wad of tobacco and gum in their mouth. The guys who still wear the uniform and put wristbands on while they're managing. The guys who are just, we're about baseball. We're about grinding. We're going to run right through you. We're not going to give up an at-bat. We're going to set our feet before we throw to first base. Until baseball moves along and has more youth in all of its positions, and I don't mean necessarily in age, I mean in understanding of the game and what players are now like. I may not be able to relate to millennials, but I'm willing to learn to understand why they do what they do, how they think, and even adopt their best practices if they're willing in any way to consider adopting some of my best practices. Because if you combine my knowledge and experience with their knowledge and understanding that will one day be experience, that's a pretty good team. As a matter of fact, that's pretty much what nothing personal is. It's me and Coca combining to be a team. Although I do think he thinks I'm Dave Martinez. I love De La Cruz. Take that, old schoolers. All right, we come back. I'm going to get a little nostalgic again about a movie I watched that was nominated for an Oscar. And then I want to explain to you what's going on with the Atlanta Braves because there seems to be a misunderstanding out there right now. And I'm not talking about them on the field, believe it or not. I'm talking about them off the field. And I want to just give you talking points so when it comes up today, you know what to say. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends. You're just watching us grow right before your very eyes. More records are being hit every week, every month. So keep watching. We appreciate you more than you know. I watched a movie and I don't know, and I've told you this, one of the things I don't know, too old, I don't know about algorithms. I don't know because I don't ever, except on this show and in conversations and maybe in tweets, maybe on threads, say what I like to watch. But when I go to every streaming service, these suggestions come up. How do you know? I guess they know what I've watched, 
but I haven't liked everything I've watched. So are they suggesting stuff from what I didn't like? If you watch this, we recommend that. Give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Nominated for an Oscar, and I didn't see it when it was nominated in the short form documentary category, which I never had access to watch because it wasn't in theaters and there were no streaming services that I was aware of. It was a documentary called How Do You Measure a Year? This is the story of a father who took out a camcorder and recorded his daughter on her birthday from her first birthday to her 18th birthday and interviewed her at age one to age 18 with the same questions. And the 28-minute movie goes through all 18 years. And you watch her get older. You watch her go from a child to a toddler, to a preteen, to a teen, to someone who's going off to college, to someone through the years when she was a preteen, wanted nothing to do with her dad or the interview, but it was part of the rules of the house that you get interviewed on your birthday every single year. And the thing about it that hit me was that I don't know where my home videos are. I don't like looking at home videos. I don't necessarily like being reminded of the passage of time. I don't like looking at photos of myself when I was younger because I feel as though I'm old and, you know, playing the back nine. I'm, I, I have a whole issue with death and time. We know this. But this movie showing the relationship of a father and daughter through the eyes of an actual interview made me wonder, I didn't do that. It wouldn't have occurred to me to do that. And now I can't do that. And one of the things in life that's really tough is when you make a mistake and there's nothing you can do about it. You can learn from it and try to adjust your behavior going forward. But what's done is done. And time stops for nobody. You should watch How Do You Measure a Year? A, it's emotional. B, it is meaningful. And C, it's delightful. How do you measure a year? It's on max. Whew. I did get emotional when I was watching it. I have two daughters and a son. And I was just talking, Coco, weren't we just talking yesterday about this? How strange it is that you change the diapers of your children and then all of a sudden they're adults and they want to talk to you or they don't or they lie to you or they don't or they want to take your call or they don't or they want to see you or they don't and they're having their own lives just like you have your own life and that's the point i guess it's almost like in the serengeti hey we just had a child by the way if you can't keep up with the herd see you later good luck you can't stand up you're gonna get eaten by a gator ciao we want that of our children to be independent self-sustaining and then we long for the days of, of their dependency. The Atlanta Braves are going public. Are you confused by that? Here's the story. Liberty Media is a public company that owns the Atlanta Braves right now. Liberty Media, when you buy Liberty Media stock, you individually, they don't much care about. When institutions buy Liberty Media stock, which is really what they want, 
The institutions are saying, we're just curious. What parts of your business are profitable? What parts of your business are not profitable? You got to break it down for us. We need to be able, when we're investing in Liberty Media, to understand what the hell we're investing in. Are we investing in F1? Are we investing in the Braves? Liberty Media said, we've got a way to handle this. We are going to change the Atlanta Braves situation where they are their own stock. Atlanta Braves Holdings, Inc. You will be able to go online to your app where you buy and sell stocks on or around July 19th. And you will be able to buy stock in the Atlanta Braves. Just the Atlanta Braves. Not F1, not Liberty Media. Just the Braves. Now, you may be saying, I'm buying that stock because I'm a Braves fan. I'm going to buy a share of stock and I'm going to give it to my son. And my son will say, you own a part of the Braves. And the son will say, that's awesome. Do I get an autographed ball of Chipper Jones? No. Do I get to meet Ronald Acuna? No. How about a hot dog? No. Do I get a certificate? No. Well, what the hell do I get? You get to say when you go to school, hey, Johnny, I own the Atlanta Braves. Well, will the stock go up or down? I have no idea. Well, why not? The reason why Liberty Media is splitting off the Atlanta Braves is so that institutional investors have an opportunity to actually look at the Atlanta Braves as a business, which includes the operation of their baseball team, plus the operation of the area around their baseball stadium, and decide what the value is of both of those assets using regular financial tools like EBITDA, like revenue, like operating income, like debt, like earnings per share, like the real world of how you decide what you should be buying or what you should not be buying or what's overpriced or what's underpriced. The president of Liberty said specifically, by doing this, we can better highlight the Braves value and provide greater investor choice. There are plenty of people who don't want to be invested into a baseball team because wait for it, they don't make a lot of money. Sorry, Mike. Of course, when they're sold, it's an asset. You can sell and liquidate, and then what you bought it for will be less than what you sold it for, but that's not how the stock trades. Here's a news flash to those listening, whether I or you have each other's numbers. Regular companies are not sold according to the breakup value or the liquidation value. Regular companies are sold according to the operation of the company. There is part of the price baked in. If a price goes below what the value is of every asset, if they liquidated and sold the assets, obviously you'd buy that stock because even in a bankruptcy, even if they had zero revenue, sell your assets and everyone would get distributed more than what the stock is trading at. That doesn't happen all that often. But when it does, you know that's a buy situation. But you won't be the first to know. I promise you that. There will be zero change to how the Braves are operated. There will be zero change according to Major League Baseball of who the control person is. There will be zero change to anything other than 
investors who have a chance to actually discern what the hell they're buying when they buy Liberty Media stock. So you're going to hear a lot today. This means they're getting ready to sell. Maybe, maybe not. But splitting off the Atlanta Braves holdings does not in any way change or form their opinion of what they want to do with this asset in any way. It literally provides greater investor choice and information. All right? So don't worry if you're a Braves fan. They're still going to be good after the stock starts trading. And don't worry, the stock's not going to go to zero. And don't worry, it's not going to be meta. And by the way, it's still going to be controlled by Liberty Media. It's not like you can go do a tender takeover. I wonder if that's what there's certain big, like Warren Buffet. I wonder if he's thinking, hey, um, what if I just buy all the shares then I could own it. Or Mark Cuban, I know how to get into baseball. I'll buy every single share of Atlanta Braves holdings. Good luck because Liberty Media owns the majority of the shares and they own control of the company. They're literally transferring one for one a share that they would own of Liberty Media. They will now own of Atlanta Braves holding. So before you get all excited about saying, oh, this is my chance to buy a team, NGTH. I don't believe that there are teams who are more prone to having people violate the joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy of Major League Baseball. It is not an atmosphere that is created or not created. It's not what is looked at when you are putting a team together. Hey, let's look for guys who aren't going to violate that. We're really not focused on that whatsoever, for better or for worse. Sorry to pull behind the curtain, but it doesn't enter the equation. If someone's been suspended two or three times, you look and say, hey, what do we know here? We know that this guy is going to give us 180 innings or 25 home runs, and we're going to sign him. That's the ugly side. The Yankees have suffered two such suspensions the nightmare that we covered last week where Domingo Herman is now forever etched in Yankee history as having thrown a perfect game, having been suspended under the joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. They're stuck with Domingo. They're not so stuck with Jimmy Cordero. Jimmy Cordero is a middle reliever for the Yankees who yesterday was suspended for the rest of the year for violating that policy with no word of which part of the policy. My issue has always been when you call something domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse, those are three different things. I really would like to know which of the three things a player is being suspended for. The team knows, but I believe that I would like to know. I'm not ranking one as worse than the other because they're all tied for first in unacceptable. Disgraceful, and the reason they're together as a policy is if you violate any of those, if you sexually assault someone, if you abuse a child, or if you hit your wife, or your husband, or your girlfriend, violently, 
waving guns or whatever you do, you deserve to not be able to have a job. I completely agree with the policy. MLB's announcement yesterday did not specify which section of the policy Cordero had violated. It didn't talk about whether or not he's being accused of a crime, whether there's even any pending criminal charges. Purposefully, they don't want to tie their ability to suspend people to whether or not a public entity is filing charges or investigating. Does this sound familiar at all? Trevor Bauer? MLB wants to be able to suspend whoever they want to suspend, whether someone has been accused, whether someone is being investigated and charged, whether someone was investigated and not charged, whether someone's not investigated at all. MLB doesn't care. They want to be able to control the narrative. They want to be able to say very clearly, we will be in charge of what we do to our players. The Yankees, however, said there is no justification for domestic violence and we stand with the objectives, standards, and enforcement of MLB's joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policies. Uh-oh. I think we know what Cordero did, don't we? Were we supposed to know? Was this the Yankees' way of telling us what MLB didn't want to tell us? Because MLB's announcement didn't have a thing about it. But the Yankees' announcement out of nowhere said there's no justification for domestic violence. Now, certainly... The Yankees don't think there's a justification for child abuse or sexual assault. Why would they only choose to say domestic violence in their statement? The only thing that I can think of, maybe I'm missing something on a Thursday at 8.40 with five minutes to go. Stay with me. You've got this. Let's go, retention folks. You've got it. The only thing I can think of is that Jimmy Cordero violated the domestic violence part of that policy. As a 31-year-old middle reliever, I have a slight feeling that the career of Jimmy Cordero is over. So I'm going to give you a wait to see right now. Domingo Herman's career, not over. Starting pitching's needed. Marcelo Zuna's career, not over. Long-term contract, offense, needed. Middle reliever, 32 years old at the end of this suspension? Mm. Don't think so. Let me do an official wait to see here, Coca. Wait to see. Jimmy Cordero will not be on a major league roster out of spring training. He may get an invite. I'm saying he will not make a team heading into the regular season. So we'll look at the rosters of all 30 teams next April, whenever the season starts next year. And we'll look for Jimmy Cordero's name. So, Coco, will you book that, please, as an official wait to see? When I say something's going to happen, either it does or doesn't. But either way, I promise you we'll get back to it. Jimmy Cordero's career, certainly for next year, even though suspension's only for this year, is over. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had the Cubs over the Brewers last night. The Cubs scored three in the top of the eighth or the top of the ninth to come back and beat the Brewers. That's a win for us. We're 103 and 101. The day after David Ross, their manager, lost his, you know what, his S blank I 
T over the Brewers doing something that I can't believe they did. It's a total rule violation. There's a very simple rule when you have a roof. You either, you tell the other team in advance, is the roof going to be open or closed? Period. Are you playing with the roof open? Let us know. Roof closed, let us know. Once you make the decision, that's the decision. If the roof's open and weather is coming, you are allowed to close the roof for an imminent weather situation. I, of course, would rather take the rain delay like an idiot on opening day. But under that scenario, you're allowed to close the roof. The Brewers closed the roof when they were about to hit because the roof and the position it's in caused shadows in an afternoon game. And they closed the roof in the middle of an inning and they claimed, hey, we thought it may be raining somewhere in Sheboygan. And David Ross wanted none of it. MLB wants none of that either. That is absolutely not fair what the Brewers did. And you know my love of Milwaukee. The, you have to close the roof. If you see rain coming, you close it to start a full inning. You can't close it in the middle of an inning. It's so obvious. Who called the Brewers people who pressed the button to close the roof and say, all right, we're coming up to bat. Hurry up, do it right. Ready? Three, two, one, now. Whoosh. What, like the Cubs wouldn't notice the roof being closed and the shade and shadows going away when they're at the plate? That seems absurd to me. <laughs> anyway, I was happy. Pick today. The Mets have a chance to go into the All-Star break. All they have to do, you know, is beat the Diamondbacks, sweep the Padres. They're hot. They took care of the Giants. They got in a very, very, they crushed them like 18 to two last night or something like that. Just kidding. But still, they won. Who cares? Everything's good. Pete Alonso's back in the home run derby. Everything's good. The Mets have a chance if they beat the D-backs and the Padres and don't lose again before the All-Star break. Coke, I used to do this all the time too. All we got to do is sweep this and we're only two games under heading into the break and we're back, baby. I mean, what's wrong with being two games under? Think about where we were. We were out of it. Now we're in it. I love fans. Unfortunately, you're not even going to win tonight, Coca. Diamondbacks over the Mets. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But you could still go in 43 and 47. Wouldn't that be helpful? We'll see how that pick goes. We'll have more stories for you because tomorrow's a day that ends in Y. That's not Saturday or Sunday. So guess where we're going to be at 8 a.m. sharp? Right back here. It's just business. This is nothing personal.